Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Chronicles of Curiosity. My name is Mason. And I'm Katie. This week, we're taking you to maybe the most talked about topic within the paranormal community in the last few years, and you will know what I mean when I, when I mention it. We're looking at the Denver International Airport and oh. the conspiracies that surrounded its construction, cost, and operation still to this day. Okay. But before we get into that, is there anything you've been curious about this week? Um, I forgot to prepare a topic for this. <laughs> um, I have been curious about the, well, not so much curious, but so we haven't announced it on the podcast, but Mason and I are moving yes. to North Carolina. So we're, we're exiting upstate New York, moving down south. Um, actually a week from yesterday as we're recording this. Yeah. Um, so I have been on the brain has been all of the packing and the supplies and all of the this that and that so that has been the number one thing that i've been focusing on lately is just i didn't realize the amount of supplies and preparation obviously you have some idea of the preparation that goes into packing up a home but this is the first time we together have moved and holy shit (laughs) there's so much that you have to do and there's so much like so many things have to be wrapped precariously and and it's 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 a new it's an adventure it has been a real treat hasn't it yeah yeah i honestly i have found the packing process not quite as hard as you have yes i have been struggling with it um because i'm more i i tend to just kind of group things by location in that in the house Mm -hmm. so like if i'm packing up my stuff in our bathroom then i have one box and everything goes in there Mm -hmm. and i'm you know i'm I'm also trying to like if if i see something that i don't want we're just getting i'm just getting rid of it yes i'm donating it or giving it to somebody else not sitting there you know i'm not trying to deliberate whether or not we're actually i think at first i was better about that about like just be like do i use this nope okay goodbye Mm -hmm. and now i'm more I'm, i'm kind of to the point already even though i still have um enough left that I shouldn't be in this frame of mind yet, but I'm kind of just at the point where I want to just chuck everything in a box, <laughs> tape it shut, and hope for the best because I'm so sick of packing. I thought you were going to say throw everything in the dumpster. That was option all, B. We get back down there. Yes, it depends on my mood and how much else I've done that day because it's either chuck everything in a box, pack it, and go, or throw literally everything I own in the garbage because I just don't want to think about it. I, I get just... very overwhelmed pretty easily. Um, so that has been my biggest hurdle with packing, I think, is just trying not to get overwhelmed. and Because I also tend to... Um, bounce all over the place when I'm when I'm packing, when I'm cleaning, when I'm doing most tasks. I am not good about just staying focused on that one task and like completing it. I start a task and then I think, oh, I should go clean the bathroom. So I start cleaning the bathroom. And then while I'm doing that, I have to run to the kitchen for something. So then I start cleaning the kitchen or I start making some shit. And then it's just so that has transferred to packing a little bit. Last weekend, it was pretty it was a, it was something, um, but thankfully my sisters came over and helped refocus. So yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've been I've been trying to get you to just pick one thing and yeah. just do it. Yeah, I'm having a I'm having a time, folks. <laughs> I'm having a time. It's okay. We're almost done. Yeah, almost unpacking. Almost done, and then once we're done, is we're done. When we're done, I'm just going to lay on the couch and take a hot nap. <laughs> well, when we're done, we won't have a couch to lay on. Shit, you're so. right. You got me there. <laughs> Uh, have you been curious about anything this week? Yeah, mine is much less um, important. Than oh, yours. <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes that's nice. 
it's been one of the hottest summers in a really long time, mm-hmm. like everywhere. Everybody's feeling it. Um, and I was thinking the other day about slip and slides <gasps> because I feel like they've gone out of style a little bit. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It seems like splash I don't hear much pads or like splash those types are, of yeah. things are more common now Yeah. at parks or at people's houses or, or whatnot. And I love slip and slides. Yeah. I was such a slip and slide yeah. kid. I loved them. We had our, we made our own slip and slide because like all, all the ones that we had, you know, you could buy from Toys R Us or Walmart or whatever. They were always not long enough. Yes. And they not enough water would come out. Like, and they also aren't, up to it. aren't very durable. No, no, they, not very durable. Ours would always rip. Yeah. So. So, yeah, we made our own. We took some like black, like Tyvek tarp mm-hmm. and took the hose and, and put a nozzle on it and left it at like the top of the hill in our front yard. Mm-hmm. And did you put soap on it? We did. Yeah. yeah so it was we, extra we slippy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you guys have a good a good yard. Your parents have a good yard f- with the hill. Yeah. For a slip and slide, you do it like in the front yard or the side? Well, either or. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the like that would be great. The side is can be a little bit too steep. Yeah. You wouldn't, a slip and slide isn't like, like for, if you have snow around, like, you know, going sledding in the wintertime. Yeah, time. yeah. Um, it's not like that. The steeper isn't always better. <laughs> yeah, sometimes can, that's where you risk it all. Yeah, because you're on your stomach. Yeah. Or your back, I guess, but it's more fun to do it on your stomach. Yeah, it is. And faster, more yeah. like a penguin. You're kind of just going head first, and you're mm-hmm. kind of at the mercy of the the slip. <laughs> the mercy of the slip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. I that's fun. don't know where we're going to put up a slip and slide, but I want I want a slide on one. Yeah, cool down. A little you bit. know, uh, at work yesterday, someone was telling me about um, their their daughter is uh, graduating this weekend, and they're hosting her graduation party at their house, and. I guess it's kind of like a family tradition for them to kind of go all out yeah. for graduation parties. So he was saying they've got like a freaking a dunk tank. They've got a bounce house and all this cool shit. And he was saying it's being delivered to his house yesterday. And the graduation party is Sunday. So he was like having a bunch of friends over <laughs> like tonight to like play with everything. Yeah, because yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you? It's like a freaking carnival. Yeah. And if you're already running it and you have it for that many days, why not? Yeah, do it. exactly. Yeah. Get That's your money's worth. Yeah. I was I was quite jealous. I wanted to ask if I could join. But all the, all we're the not friends, that close. All the friends of that person that is graduating is super jealous that yeah. they don't get invited. And, yeah, right. Yeah. He was saying that... Uh, for one of his other kids, they did, they had a food truck and I can't remember. Oh, that's a good idea. I can't remember what one he said it was, but they, they had a food truck and he said that was the first time he had met a lot of his neighbors because oh, they yeah. saw the food truck and came over. Yeah. Naturally. Same thing with like an ice cream truck. If oh yeah. If there's an ice cream truck oh, yeah. out front, you're going to meet a lot of people that you wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I always wanted to be, um... One of those people that did like a food truck at our wedding. Oh yeah, and stuff. And we yeah. totally would have, but I, but the barbecue place that we wanted just set up like catering style. Yeah. They didn't have a truck option. Yeah. But I think if they did, we totally would have gone with that. Yeah, food trucks sadly aren't quite as ubiquitous here. Yes. But certain places, it's you definitely have more options. Yeah. Like food type too. But yeah, that yeah. that would be a lot of fun. I think that's more fun than like uh, people do specialty bars and stuff. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But oh, like a s'mores bar like a s'mores or bar. yeah, 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 yeah. But, which I which love is things fun. like yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But I think a food truck is probably a lot more expensive. Which probably, is probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, real quick, we'd like to encourage everyone listening to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a review as well. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, thank you for listening. So let's get right into it. Uh, today, we're talking about the Denver International Airport, 
I personally am a huge aviation enthusiast. Nerd. Yeah, nerd. He's an airplane guy. I could talk about airport operations all day. But we're not ta- we're not talking about that. Can I just Don't have worry. a quick little sidebar here? Sure. Um, we will be outside driving, or we will be walking, or something like that, and a plane goes by, and if he doesn't hear it first, which he almost always does, <laughs> but if he doesn't, I will point it out, and he just has to stop and stare. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were in the car, we were in traffic, and a plane flew by, and it was relatively close because we were driving past an airport, and I pointed it out because he was looking at something else, and um. He just had to stop and watch the plane, and he has to tell me what kind of plane it is. And uh, hey, everybody has their thing. Some yeah. people like no, I think it's cute. Some people like trains. Some people little, really like nerd. plants. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like plants. Yeah, I'm not good at plants, but I like them. Yeah, if anybody listening is, what it, am I a nerd about? Uh, you're a nerd about books. I was gonna say books. Yeah, books, yeah, but on which that is Ruth a really Lear specific train. type of nerd. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about books all day long. Yeah. Anyway, Denver Airport. <laughs> yeah, so many of you listening will already be aware, but for anyone out of the loop, the Denver Airport has been subject to many conspiracy theories over the last three or so decades. And today we'd like to go through some of these conspiracies, uh, what they mean, and if there is any reasonable explanation. But before we get into the conspiracies, I just want to give a little bit of history and context so we all know what we're talking about. Uh, so here we go. Denver, Colorado has historically been a busy location for air travel. 200 years ago, travelers would have used Denver as a stopping point on their journey west um, to California mostly. And now in the 21st century, it serves like much of the same purpose. The only difference is that now we can travel from the east coast to the west coast in about five hours rather than six months. It's an upgrade. It is, a, it is an upgrade. <laughs> but Denver has still retained its importance due to its relatively central location in the United States. So like physically where Denver is located means that it's a great spot to stop. It's a mm-hmm. good halfway point for mm-hmm. like pretty much anywhere you'd be going um, from coast to coast. Okay. So this factor made the Denver airport the sixth busiest airport in the country throughout almost all of the 20th century. However, at that time, we wouldn't have known it as the Denver International Airport. Um, To travelers in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, they would have known it as the Stapleton International Airport. So the Stapleton Airport was much, much smaller than the modern Denver Airport. And delays would be frequent frequent due to air traffic, like literally sitting in traffic on a taxiway because of how many flights were arriving and departing. So people were realizing, hey, we might as well just drive where we're going if we're just going to sit in traffic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So in addition, the terminals were very cramped. Security and check-in took much longer than it should, and overall the city had completely outgrown the facility. So throughout the 80s, plans were made to construct a new airport. Uh, There were a few proposed sites, but in the end, the city council ended up choosing a very, very large plot of land, um, a good distance away from the actual city of Denver, Um, which if you're from Denver and you're listening or you've been to Denver, it's a common complaint, is that how far the airport is from like actual Denver residents mm. in the downtown area and in the, the western suburbs. Yeah, I could understand that being a real pain. Yeah, because, you know, you, you already have the stress of air travel. Yeah. You don't want to have to drive 45 minutes in your own city right. just to get to the airport. Yeah, that's not that's not a good time. Yeah. Um, so with city and state approval and a location picked out, construction began in September of 1989. And this is where our conspiracies begin. The construction of the Denver International Airport 
or TIA for short, was marked by a series of unusual circumstances, cost overruns, delays, and continuous decisions that had been fueled, uh, that had fueled conspiracy theories over the years. And by continual decisions, I just mean um, there were a lot of changes made along the process. So they would make a plan and then they would scrap it and then they would make a new plan. Okay. For for like the layout of the airport, things like that. Kind of sounds like the uh, Winchester mystery house. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just a little yeah. less unhinged. Oh, slightly less unhinged. <laughs> a little less unhinged. <laughs> so the initial budget for DIA was estimated at $1.7 billion, Ooh. which is expensive even yeah. for an airport. Um, but the final cost of the airport construction skyrocketed to nearly $4.8 billion. Jeez. Yeah, so well beyond the original Way over budget. Uh, this significant increase in cost raised suspicions and contributed to the speculation of hidden agendas. Um, for, furthermore, the construction faced substantial delays, causing frustration and fueling conspiracy theories. The airport's opening was repeatedly postponed due to issues with the automated baggage system and other construction problems. Additionally, the decision to build DIA on a vast plot of land about 25 miles from downtown Denver sparked even more controversy. The selection of the location led to theories suggesting hidden motives, such as the presence of secret underground facilities or tunnels under the oh. airport. Yeah, so it was kind of a it was a combination of all these factors that led to people questioning um, what the actual reason for redoing this airport and having it be such a large budgeted project. Yeah, I was thinking that because airports cost money. Yes. And cities have to, at some point, you know, if a city is growing, think of like Austin, Texas, or, mm-hmm. you know, the other cities of that size, they have to make the, they have to take the plunge basically yes. to, to spend that money to increase their airport just right. for, for population reasons, yes. you know, the population yes. grows. Um, but this one in particular, the, the, the residents weren't exactly happy about oh. these factors. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause it is coming from the taxpayer's money. Okay. Yeah. So they have a bit of a stake in it too. Right. So one of the most enduring myths surrounding the Denver International Airport is the belief that it was constructed by members of a secret society. The identity of this secret society depends on who you ask, with some pointing fingers to the Freemasons, um, others point to the Illuminati, and others to the New World Order. Oh, we got to cover all of these. Yeah, these are Especially the Freemasons. These are all going to be their own separate episode at some point or series at some point yeah for sure but for now you, you know I'm, I'm assuming our listeners know enough about those groups to... i actually don't know a ton the only one i know some about is the freemasons well basically they're just secret societies who according to again according to who you ask have nefarious beliefs mm, okay. some want to some are trying to rule the world okay um, some are trying to allegedly 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 yeah some are trying to put people into power um that would increase the power of those members of the right, society right okay what was the New World? New World Order. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so these three groups are most commonly linked to the alleged connections. Uh, supporters of the theory often cite the airport's dedication capstone as evidence. So a dedication capstone is just really just the the starting point of the airport. So mm-hmm. before construction, they will place a stone with usually there's something engraved and it says oh. this stone or this uh, this project, this building, whatever, is dedicated for this purpose and for this. Okay. Uh, by these people, that sort of thing. Who built it, why they built it, years, that general thing. Okay. Yep. The capstone, um, which is dated March 19th, 1994, contains a time capsule within it. 
Oh, I love a time capsule. Yeah, and features the square and compass symbol, like basically the logo associated with the Freemasons. It also includes the names of two grand lodges and their grandmasters, which again is related to the Freemasons. Oh, okay. Um, However, airport officials dismiss this as a gesture of the local Masonic lodges that crafted and laid the stone as stonemasons commonly engage in such activities. So basically, naturally, yeah, the, the Freemasons, they have members that are also stonemasons. Yes. So they were the ones that built the, the, the cornerstone guy, capstone. Right. right. Okay. I will say it is strange that they would put their own logo on it in that yeah, way. That's a little bit strange it's not for them, but yeah, we uh, should do a, we should do a time capsule. I don't know where, Oh yeah. but I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I think so too. So he, here is another strange thing. The capstone also references a group called the New World Airport Commission, which does not exist, or at least they don't exist in the public eye. Oh. Some see a suspicious similarity between the name and the New World Order. Yeah. Of course. However, according to a 2007 Westworld article, the name likely uh, references Dante Duvrock's New World Symphony, and the New World Airport Commission was believed to be a temporary commission established for the airport's opening festivities. Okay. So basically the Colorado government or the federal government put together this group of people to organize the airport's opening. So they named themselves the New World Airport Commission, which just sounds way too culty. hefty. Yeah, culty and hefty and creepy yep. for just a commit, basically a party planning committee. Yep. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't mm. particularly know if I believe that. I mean, you, you, we're Red not flag to, number one. Yeah, exactly. We're not, I mean, with conspiracies, we're not here to tell you what to believe. But this yeah, is, no. something about this does seem suspicious. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so here's the other thing. The capstone mentions a time capsule buried at the airport and sealed in 1994. The time capsule is said to contain various items such as coins, a baseball from Coors Field, which is where the Colorado Rockies play baseball, and former Denver Mayor Wellington Webb's sneakers. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. All right. Okay. I'm assuming he was mayor at the time of dedication. His name was Wellington? So, Wellington, wow. yeah. Well, his name is Wellington Webb. My goodness. Yeah. But some have, oh, excuse me, uh, among other memorabilia that was placed on named things and mm, items. Mm-hmm. So the content of the time capsule remains a mystery, um, but some have attempted to open it by uh, speculating that the Braille tablet above the dedication stone is a keypad. Okay, so st- oh. stick with me here. Okay, There's a tablet uh, that has Braille inscriptions on it above the capstone. Some people believe that it is actually a secret keypad and if you know the correct, uh, if you know the correct code, it will open a secret passage or open the time capsule. And and some believe that is the only way that the time capsule can be opened. Okay. This is a real conspiracy theory. I I'm not sure what to say about this one. So in recent years, a few members of Freemason society, so real members of the Freemasons, have been rumored to visit the capstone and attempt to swipe their Masonic membership cards near the time capsule oh, man. to attempt to open it. So they oh, think I have boy. this membership card. I'm glad you're laughing because I'm, I'm, I'm over not, here thinking this is a I'm little not, embarrassing. I'm not, try, I'm not laughing at these people. I just think the concept is, and is like a little the, funny. the visual that my brain is yeah. uh, putting together with this. Yeah. 
is really entertaining. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a, a nerdy Freemason with his membership card around his thing, yeah. around his neck, swiping it. <laughs> yeah, just trying to, like, on the down low, like, swiping it next to a fucking rock. So regardless of what is in the time capsule, we'll have to wait until the year 2094 oh, to see what's shoot. inside. They're not going to open it. Um, until that year so mm. that is a hundred years after the commemoration in 1994 uh fingers crossed we'll make it <laughs> okay you listening probably won't make it but we, we might hopefully we will not just kidding so. i'm kidding i'm kidding hopefully everybody we all make it we'll all be prosperous That's by the year 1994 2094 what did i say 1994? you said 1994 oh, that was a good year too but you weren't there neither was i yeah you're right yeah so yeah 2094 yeah so as i briefly mentioned another legend associated with dia involves the existence of extensive underground tunnels and secret structures oh this is my favorite part no it's not we're almost at my favorite part some claim that these tunnels stretch all the way to the north american aerospace defense command or norad which okay most people listening i'm sure have heard of norad um, it's located near Colorado Springs, which is a ways north of Denver. Others suggest that the underground areas may be inhabited by supernatural beings, such as extraterrestrials or lizard people. Lizard people. Yes, lizard people. So as far as that goes, the belief is that Area 51 is a uh, red herring to get people to, you know, of uh, course, yeah, focus on yeah, that, yeah. which I, I do believe I do 100%. Too. I, I don't, do you know, if they if the government has aliens, they're not keeping them at Area 51. No. I, I can tell you that obvious. almost for sure. For sure. Yeah. So some people speculate that why hide them at a secret government facility when maybe we could just keep them in plain sight mm-hmm. and nobody would suspect a thing. Oh, yeah. So, however, the airport does acknowledge the existence of subterranean levels beneath the main terminal. But... They clarify that the tunnels only extend to the perimeter of the airport, uh, which covers a distance of less than two miles. Um, uh, nor- the NORAD center is in Colorado Springs is much, much further north. Oh, okay. It's probably 100 miles north. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a no. long ways. Yeah. Um, conspiracy theorists point to several pieces of evidence and anomalies as proof to the existence of underground tunnels at DIA. So these tunnels, which are off-limits to the public, have sparked controversy and speculation. Additionally, uh, strange occurrences such as unusually deep construction pits during the airport's development and the presence presence of large concrete structures beneath the surface have further just fueled the theories. Yeah, yeah. Basically, conspiracy theorists are looking at this and they're saying, you know, the airport has denied extensive tunnels, but you can clearly see that when the airport was being built, there were some tunnels. There were tunnels down there. Yep. And uh, those we tunnels. We call bullshit on that one. Those tunnels the airport has not mentioned. So they're only talking about like the the baggage tunnels or, or the tunnels used to, to get employees around, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like in Disney. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, we know. We know. We know. Yeah, the airport is saying, yeah, there's tunnels. Um, and they're just used for boring tasks, which is true. But that doesn't mean that that is the whole truth. Right. You know, the airport can sell, tell you truthfully that there are tunnels and that they're used for boring purposes. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's, that's all there but is. But there's more to the story. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. My okay, so, D- so DIA officials emphasize that the under- underground levels are mostly used for practical purpose li- purposes. Um, they say that they host offices and workspaces rather than secretive gatherings of society members. Um, they dismiss claims of encounters with billionaires in ceremonial robes and attribute mm. any alleged evidence of extraterrestrials to graffiti from mischievous employees 
who occasionally wear lizard masks as pranks. <laughs> so if somebody tries to sneak down there, sometimes they'll, you know, the, the employees will have a little bit of fun with it, yeah, put on yeah, lizard yeah. masks or alien masks and sneak around the it. corners. Yeah, yeah, it's fun for them, I'm sure. Yeah. But it is fueling these conspiracy theories. Well, yeah, that's probably the point. Yeah. So despite the persistent theories, the airport maintains that the reality is much more mundane than the myths would suggest. Um, they, In addition to the office spaces, they also primarily function to serve the operational needs of the airport. Um, they refute the notion of vast secret societies and supernatural occurrences in any regard beneath the surface. Hmm. So that is what the airport officially says about this. Okay. So now let's turn our attention to the conspiracies surrounding the artwork at the Denver oh, International yeah. Airport. Oh, boy. Yeah, while well, some secrets at the airport are buried deep underground or encased in granite, others are in plain sight. In particular, two large murals by artist Leo Tanguma have garnished significant interest in speculation. So one of these murals is called Children of the World Dream of Peace, and it portrays contrasting scenes. So on one side of the painting, we see war and death with gas mask gas masked soldiers. That's hard to Whoa. say. Soldiers wearing gas masks. There you go. Both holding a sword and a machine gun. Uh, and on the other side, we witness children from diverse cultural backgrounds dressed in vibrant traditional clothing, uh, aside, setting aside their weapons under a rainbow of peace. Okay. Similarly, Tanguma's mural called In Peace and Harmony with Nature presents a dichotomy, which I, I looked at that word specifically when I was Yes, I remember talking about it in school, but yes. I don't remember what it means. Uh, it, it just means a uh, total contrast between two things. Oh, one section, so this is, again, we're talking about in peace and harmony with nature. You can look up a picture of it if you'd like. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's really beautiful, actually. Oh, yeah, both are beautiful, but if That's you look at it. the bottom. Oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not looking at a picture of it. I don't know. I'm not it's sure what like it is, a, but. I don't really know. It's got, like, a creepy face. Look it up, folks. It's, I don't know. I don't know what's happening on the bottom there, but the rest of it is beautiful. Um, so one section of in peace and harmony with nature depicts mourning children and animals amidst a backdrop of environmental devastation, um, while the other illustrates children coming together to restore and celebrate nature. So although the artist intended these pieces to express hope for global peace and harmony with nature, some observers have focused on the anti-themes of war, death, pollution, and environmental destruction, which is also present in both of these murals. Yeah. Some claim that the murals contain hidden clues and messages hinting at an impending apocalypse and the rise of a totalitarian world government another artwork that has sparked intrigue is a part of alex sweetman's art chronicles a photographic series documenting the airport's construction so while most of the photo murals uh capture serene scenes such as a bison in a snowy meadow or a field of vibrant sunflowers reaching for the sky one photograph stands out a field of withered brown sunflowers Mm. This particular image leaves some feeling unsettled, promoting speculation about whether it conveys another cryptic message about an imminent apocalypse concealed within the airport's artwork, or if it just is symbolizing the natural cycles of change and transition. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're taking all of this together, and they are noticing the pattern of destruction and apocalyptic not prophecies, but visual visualizations, mm -hmm. um, and there uh, a lot of conspiracy theorists read into this. Well, yeah, which is probably what the artists intended. I think maybe, yeah. 
it's just interesting. Like I, it's such weird choices for artwork. It is for an airport. Yeah. It's extremely strange. What emotions were you intending to convey Mm -hmm. here? Like maybe I can see a piece like this being displayed at, um, like the Met or, you know, the Philadelphia Museum of Art or something like that. And maybe even in like a traveling, uh, exhibit. Yeah. Where other artworks in this category would be grouped together. Right. But it's not. It's just a giant mural on display at an airport. And most yeah. people are just walking right by these things. Yes. Yeah. But normally, like, what do you, what, what would you anticipate would be the stereotypical artwork in an airport? I don't even consider, I, I wouldn't consider artwork to belong in an airport at all. True. <laughs> but I would say, like, stuff about that city about that state about that country yeah like stuff like welcome to wherever i am bienvenidos yeah i don't know it's just interesting like what the fuck does any of this have to do with denver yeah exactly exactly and these artists aren't even from denver it's not even like they're commissioning that would make more sense if they were yeah yeah so Uh, i the whole thing is is a little strange and there were some very interesting choices made when they were developing this airport yes Uh, and there's one other piece of i guess kind of artwork sculpture work that i wanted to talk about that is the gargoyle statue situation situated atop columns in the east and west baggage claim areas these statues often overshadowed by tanguma's vibrant murals and sweetman's expansive photographs have their own intriguing significance and interpretations. Katie's yeah. looking up a picture of the mirror. <laughs> yeah, it's those guys. Creepy yeah, yeah, they are creepy. They're creepy. Do you know what they look like? They remind me of in... Okay, so Mason and I went to see Wicked on Broadway a couple years ago. And, um, oh, the flying monkeys. The flying monkeys. Yeah. They remind me of... The, but like from from the Broadway show, not from the well, movie. They honestly do look a little bit like from the movie too, from what yeah, I remember. Yeah, but from... They... Uh, didn't I mean because with with the show it was like very very clearly people dressed up as things. Wait, was it, it really? You're ruining it for me. Shit, sorry. <laughs> um, but I remember they really really freaked me out. Like like hella freaked me out when they first came out because that was like the opening scene was those yeah. horrible flying monkeys coming out, and that is what these gargoyles look like. In architectural history, gargoyles have traditionally been added to buildings to ward off evil spirits and protect those within the buildings. Yeah. So the pair of small gargoyles at the Denver International Airport, collectively known as Notre Denver, which is great. Nice, nice, nice. Upholds this protective tradition. So with mischievous grins, they gaze down upon arriving passengers, symbolizing their role in safeguarding the secure arrival of luggage and passengers. How nice. So while the presence of gargoyles in religious architecture has been a long-standing history, notably exemplified by the famous uh, Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, from which Denver International Airport's gargoyles draw their name, some visitors have interpreted these statues differently. So rather than perceiving them as noble protectors, a few have associated them with darker symbolism, viewing them as harbingers of evil. I don't think they look evil. They make me feel confused. Like they look like they're supposed to be entertaining. Do you get what I'm saying? Like like they the expression on their faces, it looks so they okay, so for anyone that's not looking at the picture, they have their mouths like partially open and their hands are up like on their cheeks, like kind of just in front of their ears. So it kind of looks as if they are like shocked or surprised about something. 
And that makes me feel weird, and I don't know why. A lot, yeah, a lot of people that look at them say that it makes them feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Like they get like a almost foreboding sense. And then you yeah. realize you're in a fucking airport. Yeah. And you're like, wait, this is even weirder. Yeah. What a fever dream. They're right next to a Chick-fil-A. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but uh, they are next to the baggage claims. Huh. Oh, they're inside. They're inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the interpretation of gargoyles at Denver at the Denver airport, of course, is subjective. Um, so while they carry a traditional role of guardians, the personal perceptions and associations can influence their interpretation. Mm -hmm. In the end, they stand as silent sentinels, observing the bustling activity of arriving passengers and the true meaning behind their presence lies within the eyes of the beholders. So I'm sorry, I can't tell you what these mean. Um, I couldn't even find who sculpted them. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, I'm sure the information is out there somewhere. It's on a ledger or something somewhere, mm -hmm. but couldn't find the information. Huh. So, of course, no episode about the Denver International Airport would be complete without t talking about the massive horse statue oh, boy. that sits yeah, yeah, at yeah. the entrance of the airport grounds. So, towering at a height of 32 feet above Pena Boulevard, the sculpture of a blue horse rearing up on its hind legs officially goes by the name Mustang, but it has earned a more ominous name nickname among Denver locals, Blucifer. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's such a Blucifer. good Lucifer. And it's um, freaking ginormous, right? It is. It is. It's huge. 32 feet tall. Wow. Yeah, three stories tall. Wow. It's and it's a horse like up, statue. like rearing up on his hind legs, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, check out our Instagram if you want to see a oh, picture yeah. of it. Um, it uh, it's it's beautiful looking. I, I love it. It's, it is foreboding, though. So uh, with piercing red eyes and that seem to glow and a mane that resembles the serpents of Medusa, more than typical hair of a horse, um, it's not just his appearance that adds to the intrigue. The history also deepens the mystique around him. The artist behind Mustang is Luis Jimenez, who received inspiration from the vibrant colors and themes of renowned Mexican muralists such as Diego Rivera and oh. Jose Clemente. Uh, Jimenez, who grew up working in his father's sign-making shop, gained recognition throughout his three-decade career as an artist, uh, mostly known for his large fiberglass structures. Typically, or excuse me, tragically, Mustang became his final creation. Yes, after devoting nearly a decade to the piece, Jimenez met a fatal accident in his New Mexico studio in June of 20, excuse me, June of 2006. A segment of Mustang fell severed an artery in his leg, and Jimenez bled to death. Oh, Blucifer. Yes, yes. Uh, ultimately, Jimenez's children completed the artwork, and it was unveiled oh. in February of 2018. So this is where wow. I thought, or excuse me, uh, 2008. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, so two, wow. Two years, yeah, two years later, about two years later, a okay. um, little under. Uh, yeah, I had always assumed that this had happened like while they were installing it outside. I did too. But That's no, this, what I always kind of pictured. This was in his own studio wow. that this happened, um, which was probably Aww. why he bled to death. Most likely nobody was there and he couldn't. Yeah. But man, what a way to go, getting an that... artery severed in your leg. Yikes. <sighs> you just sitting there knowing, getting weaker. Well, I don't know. How, I mean, you bleed out pretty fast if you slice an artery. Yeah, true, true. Hopefully he passed out quickly. Yeah. Anyway, this got dark. Um, Blucifer's yeah. so, <laughs> haunting appearance, combined with its artist's tragic backstory, has made it a target for mythmakers ever since its installation. Many people believe that the sculpture is cursed, mm. while some go as far as to claim that its glowing red eyes symbolizes one of the steeds ridden by the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh. Yes. 
which I also want to do another yeah. story. It's just I keep uncovering more and more. I know. Our list is ever-growing. So Jimenez himself stated that the eyes were meant to honor the untamed spirit of the American West, offering a different perspective on their symbolism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jimenez himself is kind of disputing this, but uh, the resemblance is a little uncanny. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, so I wanted to quickly mention a few other conspiracies um, I found while researching the airport. These don't really fit into their own category, but I found them kind of interesting regardless. Okay. So the first one involves a mining cart carved into the tile of the Great Hall. So the Great Hall is just basically the main terminal. So this mining cart that is engraved into the hall, the wall of the hall, nice. <laughs> features the letter AU and AG which are the atomic symbols for gold and silver. Okay. Some claim that the innocent-looking symbols are actually an abbreviation for, okay, Australian antigen, which is believed to be a deadly chemical weapon that the Illuminati will wield to gain power over humanity. All right. Yes. Uh, This, again, if you want to read more about this, look up Australian antigen. How do you spell that? uh, A-N-T-I-G-E-N. Okay. Yeah, so it's a it's a basically a super weapon that okay. some conspiracy theorists believe that the Illuminati have been holding on to. All right. Yeah. Another story suggests that the architects of the airport received the coordinates for the location from extraterrestrial beings. Yeah, we're getting into aliens again. Oh boy. This notion fuels the idea that DIA has a connection to otherworldly entities and their mysterious intentions. I did not find information on why people believe that they received the coordinates from aliens. Okay. But it's probably uh, a numerology thing, if I were to guess. Oh, yeah. If I were to, yeah. So, uh, the and also, in addition to these conspiracies, the presence of particular markings on walls and buildings within the airport has also sparked speculation. Mm-hmm. Some of these markings are believed to be codes from secret secret societies or fragments of an unknown extraterrestrial language. However, the truth is <laughs> that these markings are actually referenced to the Navajo language. Oh, <laughs> so okay. That um, you know doesn't go a long ways in showing the intelligence of extreme <laughs> conspiracy You're not theories. Wrong. Unfortunately. Um, but no, these are just, these ones are easily disproven. They are in the Navajo language. Okay. Yeah. So surprisingly, rather than dist- distancing themselves from all these, you know, stories and these conspiracies, the marketing team at Denver International Airport has completely embraced the legends. They organized, really? yeah, they organized a gallery exhibition called Conspiracy Theories Uncovered. And they showcased some of the most notable stories associated within the airport. So the exhibition even featured a quote-unquote alien skull, which was cleverly crafted by airport employees and Hmm. discreetly placed during the construction of the Weston Denver International Airport Hotel. So you find an alien skull. Yeah. Uh, Lastly, conspiracy theorists point to the physical layout of the airport, um, especially the runways. So when you look at the airport from Google Earth or uh, just, you know, satellite view, um, the layout does indeed look like a swastika. Oh, shit. Uh, However, aviation engineers have pointed out that this layout makes the most sense when incorporating multiple runways as it allows for planes to land safely coming from any direction. You're telling me there wasn't any other option? Uh, You know, that was my question, especially given how much land there is. 
Yeah. In the area. And the budget was, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, Katie's yeah, looking up the satellite image. And yeah. That's, uh-huh. It's a swastika. I mean, a, yeah. 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 I think there are probably alternative options. I think so, too. That are just as effective and for I, a busy airport. I imagine that the planners, like, when they were setting out the blueprints here, I imagine they, they probably looked at this and one of them turned to another one and was like, hey, I don't want to say it, but does this look like a swastika to Yeah, you? right? The person's probably like, what? No, absolutely not. Yeah, like, you, know? you gotta... You, uh, like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like recognize... How, how ignorant would you have to be to not pick up on that? <laughs> well, Come on. Uh, it's, it got made. Someone was making poor decisions. So as the stories continue to circ- circulate and evolve, the Denver International Airport remains a hotbed for intriguing myths and legends, captivating the imagination of both believers and skeptics alike. And that is going to do it for us this week, everyone. Um, Let us know which conspiracy theory we talked about that you found most fascinating. And which did you find most fascinating, Katie? I just like hearing about Blucifer. I just think that is such a Looney Tunes. Like, it's so... I don't know. I can listen to theories about Blucifer for hours. It's it's such a beautiful sculpture. No, but that's fine. I think it's gorgeous. I think think it's it's incredible. Yeah, haunting. It's beautiful. Haunting and beautiful can go hand in hand. They can, but right now they are not. Yeah, yeah. They might be for you. That's fine. Yeah, I think I think Blucifer to me is the most interesting. Like I think it's, I think it's sad that while the sculpture was being made, the the maker was killed. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's so many more like conspiracy theories about Blucifer. We'll have to get into those at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part. Uh, Before we go, I'd like to quickly mention our sources this week. We've got The Definitive Guide to Denver International Airport's Biggest Conspiracy Theories by John Wenzel, Six Conspiracy Theories People Believe About the Denver Airport, Demunked by Monica Humphreys. Uh, We have Denver.org, Visit Denver, article titled Myths and Legends Behind Denver International Airport. And that is going to do it for us this week, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We hope you will join us next week. But until then, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.